the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Understanding that we were at war with God, that we were enemies of God, and then to realize what Paul says in chapter 5 of Romans, we have peace with him? Well, that's staggering. Again, greetings and welcome to today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Pastor Phil Howard continues our journey through Romans. And we find ourselves in chapter 5 today, looking at one of my favorite verses. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Man, what an awesome thing to consider, which is what we'll do next. Join us. Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. And this was before AT&T. You couldn't get in. Man, what happened on the day Christ died? Why did God just... Why did he rent that curtain? Josephus said you could take two oxen and take the temple curtain and have the oxen go and they could not pull it apart. And an invisible hand on that day, an invisible hand didn't cut it from the bottom side. That means man would have cut it. Just get a pair of scissors and work on it. God said, no, no, this thing's going to be cut from the top down. I rent the veil. <laughs> Come on in. Guilty sinners. You've been out long enough. Come on in. And your status in this court will be divine favor. Wow. It's overwhelming, is it not? That's right. I'm just going to stop at a certain time, but I, it will not be finished, okay? I mean... If we just thought about it for a while, we might get to feeling it. I mean, I mean, we think my status before God is I'm at peace with him. There's no offense that has not been settled. He wants me as his friend. By the way, there's no place you ever call God your friend. Check it out. John 15, I call you friends. James, he called Abraham his friend. God's more than a friend. He's a little bit higher up. It's nice to call my dad my friend, but he's not just my friend. He's my dad. I call him father. He is in another league, you know. He's not just in your friendship. He calls you a friend. That's the miracle. He had to stoop to do that. He's been hanging out with angels for eternity. Long time. He's not in need of friendship. But he's just including you in the circle. He calls you friend. And you stand there in grace. So it says in Hebrews 2 and 4 that just think, anytime you go to God in your mind in prayer, why don't you always approach him that I'm in divine favor? Let's think that through. What if I just sinned? I just sinned. 
I admitted I was wrong about something. And I come to God. Wouldn't it be better to come in sackcloth and ashes and and self-condemnation? I know I don't have your favor now. That's only good for as long as I live it. That's only good as long as I don't sin. And I, I know, go ahead, go ahead. Or do you come up and say, you know what, I just sinned. God said, yeah, I knew you did. What can I expect? What did I say I put you in? You're in the realm and the sphere of my favor. Grace has picked up your sin and paid for it. Now the spirit, he may break your heart about it because it's a love relationship. You're now sinning not, I no longer sin against just God. You know who I sin against now? My father, my savior. I tell you this much. I did enough sinning as an honorary little boy, but I never did want my dad or mom to know. I loved them too much to let them know. And when they found out, it wasn't because I notified them. Somebody squeal. Snitch. Because I want to sin. I could do a lot more sin when my dad wasn't around. If it's just for the neighborhood guys, man, we can do a whole lot of sin. But boy, you bring the presence of my parents. It had a way because I didn't want to shame them. Guess what? Now he's going to tell us if you enjoy sin, you don't really know him as father because a greater motivation now kicks in. I don't want to sin against him who calls me his friend. I'm now in a family relationship. And so it's not just God I'm sinning against. It's more than just God. That's enough, believe me. But now it's a family thing. I've sinned against him who became my father. Permanent standing in grace. Not too bad for a hell-deserving sinner who just believes. Not too bad. Third thing he says, uh, He gives you the prospect of sharing in the glory of God. Look what he says. (laughs) I tell you, this is so powerful. It says, and we rejoice in the hope, in the hope of the glory of God. Now, what in the world is he saying? We are rejoicing now in hope of the glory of God. I want to give you a little translation that Douglas Moo gave. The hope, we have the hope of sharing in God's glory. That's the way Douglas Moo translates. We have a hope of sharing in God's glory. And what is that? When you read Romans 8, 29, for whom he foreknew, he called. And whom he called, he predestined. And whom he predestined, he justified. And whom he justified, he just left them out there. He what? He glorifies. What does glorification, or for you to be glorified, look like? It's this way. Your salvation is three tenses. In the past... He justified you by faith. You believed in Christ. The cross took care of it. It was paid. In the present, he's changing you 
And we call this sanctification, making you like Christ. But there's an installment awaiting that he says we're now waiting that God's going to manifest the glory of his son. And he said in 2 Thessalonians, God wants us to be there when we will be glorified in watching the son return, that we're going to reign with him, we're going to be resurrected, all these glorious things about a brand new body, uh, being in heaven, uh, being like Christ. When we see him, we have this blessed hope that we shall see our great God and Savior. And so people who up to this time have the sentence of death for just being told for four chapters, at least three, you're going to hell, you're under the wrath of God, your future is wiped out. All of a sudden, he says, by the way, your whole future's changed. Now, you're going to be a part of the future manifestation of God's glory. He's going to change your body in the moment, in a twinkling of an eye. He's going to give you a body like Christ. You're going to reign with him. You know, wait, wait till the uh, presidential ball is thrown. I doubt, I doubt that Hillary would invite Mitt to the ball. Maybe. But you know what you really want to get to that inaugural ball is everybody that got you voted in. And he says, now that you've been justified by faith, your future is glory. Because the final aspect of salvation is you're going to be glorified. And what's beautiful about Romans 8, 29, it's so certain, it's so certain that he wrote everything in the past tense. You were predestined. You were justified. E-D is past tense. And you will be glorified. Well, it hasn't happened. Oh, it has in God's mind. You just haven't caught up yet. You'll be there. But he's already got it figured out. You'll be glorious. Your future is the glory of God. Anybody getting it? Why don't you at least hit your wife or your husband? <laughs> Loosen up. You don't deserve any of this, you wretches. And we don't. We got it through Jesus. We got it through grace. <laughs> Cut that off the radio message. It wouldn't go over good. Uh, we all rejoicing, rejoicing in the hope of the... And you know what astounds me? The greatest thing wrong with us in Romans 3.23 is for all of us have sinned, past tense. But here's the problem. With the present ongoing fact that we are falling short of the glory of God. Someday you won't fall short of it. You're going to be in the middle of it. When God's showing off his power, showing off what he did through his son, look what I saved, look what I changed. And someone over here is glorified, singing in heaven, walking down streets of glory. And all your friends said he won't last over a month. He won't even make it. He can't get through it. He just won't make it. And you're there, says, I'm sharing in the glory of my redeemer. This is what he, this is part of my inheritance. So, we used to sing a song, that will be glory for me, that will be glory for me, when by his grace I shall look on his face, that will be glory for me. I want to tell you right now, you get it straight, I'm headed for glory. 
I'm headed for glory. I'm headed for glory, and so are you. I'm not headed for Armageddon. I'm not headed for just the grave. I'm not headed for bankruptcy. I'm heading towards glory when the King Christ is manifest and his bride will be with him, and he's going to show us off. This is what I purchased when I put myself on the cross. This is what I got, and I'm going to share the glory with the church. That's your future. That's your future. Now, you had no future before you knew Christ. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ. This is glory. What a future. Going to heaven. See, some of you have been saved so long you got over it. Or you're not saved. That's why you always choke to ever get excited. You're not, you don't know him. That's okay. We're praying you'll be saved. But you won't get saved around dead Christians. You'll get saved around people that at least know God. And said, friend, my future's been changed. He did more for me in responding in faith that I could. I was justified. I was given peace with God. I was given a permanent standing before God. And then I gave the prospect of future glory with God. That's my future. But you know what? I'm not in heaven yet. And this morning I took uh, one, two, three, four, five medicines before I got here. I'm not in glory yet. I gave myself an insulin shot. I took some other medicine. Diabetics makes your heart just susceptible to strokes and heart attack. So I'm taking other medicines to keep me from having a stroke. So what do you do in this life? I prayed with a dear sister today whose sister just died and her heart is still aching. What do we do with the present sufferings? Notice what he says. And not only do we rejoice at the fact of future glory, but we are people that are truly weird. We rejoice in our sufferings. We are rejoicing in the midst of our sufferings. How can this be? Not only so, it's all right to get excited about glory, but how do you rejoice in suffering? Not, I'll rejoice once I get through this. He said, you're rejoicing while you're in it. Present adversity. Not a, we also are rejoicing In our sufferings. Watch. And here's the key. Because we are knowing something. That word right there, know. That's the key. Because we know something in suffering that the unsaved cannot know. And it's the same word he did in James 1. Count it all joy, my brother, when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing. Knowing. Your mind knows how to interpret the data. You know what's going on around you. We know something now that we are God's children. Our loved ones die of cancer just like a man or woman who doesn't know Christ. Our kids have problems just like, you know, don't buy this lie that if you become a Christian, all your problems go away. You might start having problems you never had before. And just saying you're going to prosper and have health and never have any problems, I wish it were true, but it's not. He said you will even experience, and this word for sufferings is the word thalipsis, which was used of crushing grapes 
and of crushing olives. It was used of pressure, pressure so much on you that it squeezed you out. We would use, I'm stressed out. I'm stressed out. Afflictions and sufferings and pressures of every kind, financial, relational, emotional, funerals of loved ones, health reports I don't like, uh, physical, living in this body. Uh, I'm, I'm living in a world that's chaotic. We're not in glory yet. Don't fall in love with this. This is, this is the dressing room for the main event. Uh, don't, don't get in love with it. So we will have this, but let me tell you something about the unsaved. According to the scriptures, the sorrow of the world only produces death that does not ever lead to a change of character. You just get worse. I, I must say to me that drugs and alcohol make sense if you don't know God. The only thing, it makes your problem much, much bigger. But getting drunk after somebody just broke your heart or somebody just died makes good sense if you want to get some kind of uh, intoxication to get out of your head. Let's smoke a joint and watch the game. We don't have any future in glory anyway. We have no hope. Our mother's dying. Our marriage is in trouble. And I don't know that any of it's got any purpose in my life. And then all of a sudden you become a Christian and the father by whom you're standing in his favor allows adversity to come in your life. And now you say, well, Lord, I'm having the same kind of problems I had before I was a Christian. I still have health issues. I still have family issues. Where are you? What's the difference? We rejoice in them because we now know, and the Father puts us in on it, says, I've designed these things not to destroy you, but to change you. Pressures are not designed to destroy, but to develop you. Pressures are not designed to destroy you, but to develop you. Pressures are designed by God not to destroy you, but to develop you. Well, Lord, I don't want to be developed. I knew you'd say that. That's why I said, eat your spinach. This is what he wants to do with us. Watch. He said, this suffering that God allows, these pressures, is designed to produce something in us called perseverance. I don't even like the sound of the word, do you? <laughs> persevere. It, it's not even, it doesn't sound good. I don't want to persevere in something that I don't enjoy. You know, let's get out of this as soon as we can. Uh, but it really is the ability to remain under pressure in the will of God. Whatever God's assigned, to remain under that pressure in the will of God it produces, uh, you quit being a bailout artist. My dad said that's what they called iron workers that showed up to jobs. And he said men would come out of the hall, and many of them were drunks. And they'd, play, they'd rather play poker and drink at the union hall in Oakland than to work. And they'd come to a job, and they would see certain iron working jobs had a lot of grease 
and a lot of timber, logs, that they have to set up cranes. They would appraise that job in about 30 minutes and say, oh, no, man, this one's going to be dirty, greasy, and long. They said, just give me my show-up pay. And they call them drag-up artists. Just get in the gut. And one of the men back there say, man, and he knows. He's seen it. We're built to be drag-up artists. I don't like this. I don't want to do this. I just want to do what I like. I'm creative. I'm, oh, yeah, we know. Huh? I just want to give vent to, yeah, you give vent to what? I just feel it. Yeah. You never become a good ball player because you just feel it. Somebody gets to kick booty in camp and make you do push-ups, pull-ups, run until your lungs are going to fall out. You say, but I want to play ball. You play ball after you learn to persevere. Have you, have you ever been to a basketball camp? I just, I go watch my grandson. I've never, I watch it. And you know, that backward running and, and, and all, the, all that court. And, then, and, I, and I, I came to see the game, but you know, they're doing this and that. I said, oh man. Football, 49ers up in Rockland start doing their push-ups in July. Out there, and that it gets hot in Sacramento. What's all this? We want a Super Bowl. Somebody's not doing their push-ups on our teams. <laughs> Somebody, somebody's not doing the push-ups. So you know, perseverance, perseverance, because per- now we're in the World Series, and the, and now we're in the Super. That's no time to get in shape. Everybody wants to become a champion as soon as they step in the ring. You had bet the ring reveals your talent. It doesn't make it. And I see people that are Twinkies in the Christian life. I see guys that are wannabe preachers. They're too lazy to be preachers because they won't study the text. They don't need to be in the pulpit. It's a mental perspiring job when it's done like God commanded. Sweat. Sweat. How much time did you wrestle with the text? I don't. That's why you're unfit. You've never developed the perseverance of just staying there until God makes it unfold to you. How long have you just stayed with it? And he said, God has designed a certain amount of pressures in all of our lives to develop something he loves, obviously. It's called patient waiting on God and God's timetable. Think of Joseph down there in that jail, never given up on God, and was in prison we don't know how many years. How many years from being sold out by his brothers before God ever kept the dream and he came to the throne? He got to the throne when he was about 30 years old and sold out as a teenager. Had to keep believing the promise. What about Abraham? How long did he keep believing God? Long time before he ever got an Isaac. God's design pressure to produce perseverance, and perseverance produces proven character. The word here is dogamazo, that it's used of coins that have have been through the refining process, and you've skimmed off a lot of that excess that's no good, and you're trying to get a pure product, and so it was used of testing coins, and then it came to be used of our character. You have proven character when you've been tested and you passed. You don't want to pass the student who failed. 
And there's a lot of pressure to do that in our schools. Go ahead and pass them. They're going to be embarrassed. So they arrive at their 12th grade year, and they still don't know math. They still don't know. But, boy, we got them through. We got them through. He says, I want to produce in you proven character, and proven character will produce hope, and it will continue. Understanding who we are before God and what God requires, and how God makes that requirement possible through His own Son. All found here in the book of Romans as we continue our verse-by-verse survey of this amazing book here on Truth For Today. As we conclude our time together today, we would invite you to contact us if you have questions, comments about the broadcast. Maybe you have a question about your own walk and relationship with the Lord, or a prayer request. We'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch with us today. Now, we have a couple of ways to do so. The easiest might be simply visiting our website, truthfortodayradio.org. You can drop us an email. We have other means of contact that you'll find there at truthfortodayradio.org. We also have a lot of resource materials available for your growth and relationship with Christ. Our design and desire is to see that you grow in Christ, grow according to His knowledge and grace. Any way we can help, Well, that's why we're here. So stop by truthfortodayradio.org or simply give us a call, 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. Please bear in mind as you contact us that this is a listener-supported ministry. As you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. Prayerfully consider how you might get involved in the ministry of Truth For Today, won't you? 855-833-9864 or write to us. Our address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. And that website, once again, truthfortodayradio.org. It is a pleasure spending time with you in God's Word. We trust we'll see you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.